From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Happy Turkey Day. Happy Thanksgiving to people in the United Soviet States of uh, America. Uh, I've, I've been away for so long and um, uh, basically become so Mexican that I completely forget that it's Thanksgiving. We don't really celebrate celebrate it here, although I've been hanging out with uh, folks and doing Thanksgiving-like activities. So let's take a, you know a day, a moment, a week to just be thankful. Despite all of this insane Great Reset stuff going on, we're here, we're alive, we can still eat nice juicy steaks. In fact, that's what I had for lunch uh, today. So let's be thankful for uh, where we're at in 2023. And um, I've got Joe Olson coming up to talk JFK. Yesterday was the 60th anniversary of our American government um, assassinating our own president. So yeah, there's that. And then uh, second hour, first time guests coming up, uh, Hernando Arce who's down on the border in uh, San Antonio, Texas, covering the mass illegal migration. He was just recently, a couple days ago, unlawfully arrested by crooked cops. And I saw the footage of that. He was just covering what was going on and they 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 arrested him. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk to him about that. And uh, I thought I'd mention this uh, interesting speech that was given by El Salvador's President uh, Presidente Nayib Bukele. It's got English subtitles. It's on his Twitter X account. I highly recommend it because he just basically confirmed what I've been saying for a while. He says the reason governments don't end crime is because they are colluded with it or because they benefit from it. And I've been making the point, you know, for example, here in Mexico, if the government wanted to, they could end the cartel issue tomorrow. They've got their surveillance capabilities of all the cartel members, their bank accounts, their whereabouts, geolocation, Pegasus, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, Nayib Bukele did it. If the Mexican government wanted to do it, they could, but they don't want to because as Bukele says, they are colluded because they are bene benefiting from it. And he made the point that, you know, it might be painful. Our economy might drop right now, but it's like, you know, you're, you're getting the cancer out and then you're going to rebuild the economy back. So interesting points from Bukele. And I, I like this quote from Matthew Crawford. The political left sees that the right is caught up in cults. The political right sees that the left is caught up in cults. The rest of us are just trying to figure out what the oligarchs are going to steer the cultists to do next. And one more from Tulsi Gabbard. She said yesterday, quote, new mandatory K-12 media literacy courses is the same thing as Biden's Ministry of Truth. This time integrating and pushing their propaganda in every class at every grade using our tax dollars and whoever is in power decides what is information and what is misinformation. Just another reason why every parent needs to consider private schooling or homeschooling. Excellent thought right there. There was a short clip that came out of OpenAI chief scientist Ilya Sutskever. And he was basically, I've been talking about this for years now, he was literally advocating algocracy, rule by algor algorithm. He was talking about AGI and that how basically we could have our governments run on AGI or you could have multiple AGIs where your city um, 
is run by AGI and then a separate AGI for your state, for your municipality, for the world government, uh, I suppose. So again, this is their plan. And if you're paying attention, I was reading an article from Fast Company the other day. They were talking about this. Now you got Open Eye Chief talking about this. This is technocracy. This is algocracy uh, more precisely. And even on that note, Forbes just uh, editors pick at Forbes. An AI doctor in a box coming to a mall near you, armed with $100 million in new funding, digital health startup Forward is betting that people will buy telehealth from its CarePod kiosks for $99 a month. Um, I mean, really, what are you just going to get probably injected with something uh, on the month? You know, you, you got a headache here. Let us inject you with this. You got a tummy ache. Let us inject you uh, with this. So this is a San Francisco-based health tech startup. Yeah. Health in a pod run by AI. Again, uh, algocracy. We're going to be controlled by algorithms, whether it's our health or politics or whatever. Edward Dowd uh, also had something to comment on this. He said, if I wanted to create a narrative to blame a, a global collapse of the financial system where central bankers and politicians are not blamed this would be my choice feature headline sentient ai has released a cyber pandemic that has wreaked havoc on the global banking system since we'll be talking about jfk and yesterday was the 60th anniversary of his assassination by uh, his own government a uh, fantastic documentary was just released um today i i purchased it on vimeo five bucks uh, i think i haven't watched it yet it's a multi multi-part series it's called Four died trying. Four died trying.com. That's JFK, Malcolm X, MLK, and uh, RFK. And when I taught a course on, I, I put together uh, uh, when I was teaching international relations, a course on deep politics. And I actually had a series of lectures in my courses. Specifically, I put together themes related to these four who died uh, trying. I even threw John Lennon uh, in there. For good measure um and dog hammerskold the un sec gen who was again assassinated by the same global deep state i think in 1961 they took his plane down in the congo so again for died trying.com check that out and um a little bit of geopolitical news real quick u.s warship downs several attack drones in red sea as hijacked vessel standoff continues so we still got uh, a lot of action going around there. Hopefully that action does not escalate to World War III. Uh, a quick reminder that if you enjoy listening to TNC Radio and think we're doing a good job, do let us know. You can leave a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, Getter. Uh, a big help is the podcast reviews. Uh, you can leave them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and whatnot. Or you can leave ratings. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on TNT Radio. Be a part of the conversation. I want representation I can trust. Have your say. Biden isn't doing enough. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Microsoft and artificial intelligence company OpenAI are being sued by nonfiction authors who allege the tech companies trained the chat GPT tool 
to copy their work without consent. Here with the story joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, otherwise known as Ruckus. Otherwise known as Ruckus. Thank you, Havori. Otherwise known as Havori. Uh, in the November 21st documents filed in a Manhattan federal court, the lead plaintiff in the lawsuit, author Julian Sankton, alleges he and thousands of other nonfiction authors did not receive any compensation for their works being copied by the AI tool. The lawsuit alleges both Microsoft and OpenAI collaborated closely on creating and using their AI-powered products, such as ChatGPT, to recognize and process user text inputs and, quote, generate text that has been calibrated to mimic a human written response. The lawsuit states, quote, in doing so, they have infringed on the exclusive rights of plaintiff Sancton and other writers and rights holders whose work has been copied and appropriated to train their artificial intelligence models, end quote. ChatGPT, of course, was launched by OpenAI last November. Wow, it's been around for a whole year. Unlike previous tech in the space, the AI chatbot created human-like responses to users' queries. It quickly made waves in the tech world and prompted other major companies, including Microsoft, to announce or introduce AI-implemented services as well. No kidding, it is everywhere indeed. Mr. Sankton's lawsuit also alleges OpenAI and Microsoft, quote, built a business valued into the tens of billions of dollars by taking the combined works of humanity without permission. The lawsuit claims, quote, nonfiction authors often spend years conceiving, researching and writing their creations, while OpenAI and Microsoft refuses to pay nonfiction authors, their AI platform is worth a fortune, end quote. Mr. Sankton is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Madhouse at the End of the Earth, the Belgica's Journey into the Dark Antarctic Night, a book documenting the true story of an Antarctic polar expedition near the end of the 19th century. He claims to have, quote, dedicated five years of his life and tens of thousands of dollars to completing the book and quote traveling around the world to complete the necessary research the court documents say the investment of time and money was feasible because quote in exchange for their creative efforts the copyright act grants end quote authors exclusive rights in their works the lawsuit reads quote this case is about defendants, OpenAI, and Microsoft's complete disregard for those exclusive rights. Defendants have made commercial reproductions of millions, maybe billions, of copyrighted works without any compensation to authors, without a license, and without permission, end quote. The court documents also call the basis of the OpenAI platform, quote, nothing less than the rampant theft of copyrighted works, end quote. Ouch. It's being alleged in the lawsuit that both Microsoft and OpenAI have achieved significant financial success commercializing the author's work, making billions of dollars through revenue on AI products. OpenAI has reportedly made over a billion dollars in revenue during 2023. It has also raised $14 billion across nine funding rounds. However, the company's total value has been estimated to be upwards of at least $80 billion. Ravori, it's unclear how much revenue the authors think came from the alleged infringement of their works, 
But what do you think? I mean, percentage wise, how much of the $80 billion do you think maybe, you know, open AI could, you know, cut these guys a little slice? Don't you think? What do you think? Well, you know, I mean, they're, they're using AI to, to, to train. I mean, they're using our data to, to train their AI, which then they're going to so they can have control uh, over us. And it's just always more of the same. You know, the, the, the rich and powerful, this oligarchy, uh, aristocratic class getting uh, rich off of us using our own money, our own um, data. You know, if you go back to surveillance valley, you know, U.S. taxpayer money went to DARPA and the Pentagon, which created Facebook and, and Google and all of this uh, stuff. And it's like, you know, it's like the Matrix. We are the human resources that, that, that are being farmed to build out this system. And uh, it's, it's absolutely crazy that there really aren't very many rules here, but, you know, th they are desperate uh, to to get as much data as they can to feed into this AI thingamajig to this al alchemical process, basically, that, you know, I've talked about this in the past, that they're hoping that AI will give them, um, you know, the, the the equation for immortality. Some of these these freaks think that they'll be able to uh, biohack their way into eternity, eternity. But um, I, I was kind of thinking about this today as well. You know, I had on the program musician Koki yesterday. I just bought all of his music and iTunes today. A lot of it is is open source. You know, it's a, you go to his YouTube channel, um, Koki, and it's it's there. You can you know download the YouTube video, extract the audio. You can pay for it if, if you know if you have ethics, uh, uh, but it's it's really it's it's confusing. Um, Ruckus, I don't know. What do you think? Well, you know, there's hidden in here somewhere is like a modern uh, Frankenstein kind of argument or discussion. Correct? I mean, who's who's responsible for doing this? Is it the monster or the monster's creator? Because at some point, AI is just going to be like a loose cannon, and and it, it, the AI, the program, the algorithm itself is going to be doing things. And at that point, are we going to be able to sue the program, or are the creators of this, these 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 founding fathers of this burgeoning technology, are they the ones who are ultimately responsible legally, financially, for anything and everything that artificial intelligence does in in for eternity? I mean, it's just. It's very strange, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. I mean, what if the the AI decides to to read on its own? I mean, who's in trouble then, right? Yeah, I, I personally don't believe that it can ever become sentient. It's just I feel like a tool, you know, like a hammer or what what whatnot, and it's programmed to, to do um, what it's going to do, and and you know, it it'll go in that circle that that, it, that it's it's programmed in and maybe it'll do some more complex ta tasks but i don't think it'll do anything that you know whether we're talking a software or whatever that i don't think it'll jump out of its you know uh formula they're trying to sell us this idea of sentience but it's really the people programming it are the ones responsible uh i think and i, I think they're trying to create this disassociation so they can evade that responsibility but uh you know they're selling us on this sentience i i don't think that's ever possible so we're dealing with the you know these same elites wizards behind uh the curtain and so uh yeah interesting story ruckus uh, i guess we're just gonna we're gonna be hearing about open ai 
uh, and Microsoft and Musk and is it Sam Altman? I'm forgetting all their names now for for the foreseeable future. Uh, all right, catch up with you in a bit, Ruckus. We got Joe Olson coming on to talk deep politics. JFK. Uh, feel free to call in uh, to to give us your thoughts on uh, deep politics, JFK, and or other. Uh, such assassinations. We'll be right back. You should hear what Chris Smith is talking about. Lomborg has long maintained that wealth and an abundance of energy sources are the key elements required to help the world solve threats to our existence, which is why he opposes the obscene amounts of money the United States, the UK, Europe and Australia are spending on climate change, which can only reduce that wealth and make us all weaker. Yes, climate has costs but so do climate policies. We rarely talk about the fact that as we are making more and more climate policies, that also impacts us negatively. That actually pulls away resources from us. Just to take a look at energy prices here in the UK, energy prices have been coming down for the last two centuries, but now they're starting to go up because of climate policy. But why doesn't the mainstream media's political class ask those correct questions when politicians make humongous spending announcements on, for instance, renewable power? Where are the right questions? Like, what's the cost-benefit analysis of this project minister? They never ask the question. And you know why they don't ask the question? Because the left-leaning mainstream media, they're climate change evangelists as well. They don't want to find holes in such grand renewable plans because that's not part of the environmental narrative. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. So many people who had no history of heart illnesses have got it now, or blood clotting after the COVID-19 vaccination. Punish those who hurt people with COVID madness. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. Returning to the broadcast is retired Texan engineer and impassioned science writer Joseph Olson, co-author of Slaying the Sky Dragon. How are you doing, Joe? Oh, man, I'm on a tryptophan high. I had turkey today, so I'm just fighting, falling asleep. But delighted to be talking to everybody uh, worldwide, even though you didn't have Thanksgiving. We had a wonderful one here in in, in Texas. Yeah, I, you know, maybe next year I'll make it back into the empire and be able to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving. And 
you know, there there have been a number of uh, events taking place related to JFK. Uh, you, I think you uh, attended a conference uh, that took place in Dallas, the JFK Lancer. Um, and I was mentioning as well, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this uh, multi-part documentary series that was just, the, the first part was released today. I bought it, uh, fordiedtrying.com, which looks uh, very good as well. But um, yeah, I mean, 60 years after our government took out our president, your thoughts? Yes, well, this isn't the first time I attended a conference up here. James Fetzer, who uh, has interviewed me 300 times on BitChute and about two dozen times on YouTube before his channel got taken down. So you can't see those films, but he was a speaker at 2018. And I definitely, I'm the type of person that meets people in person. Like I met you at the American Liberty Awards in Austin this year, uh, because I'm just that kind of guy. I've attended in the last three years, uh, over 60 open Texas and medical freedom rallies statewide. And I don't mind spending money, my own money and, and driving and, you know, attending events. So I had attended the one in 2018. That was a four day long conference. It cost me about 700 bucks to go to that one. This one, I found a cheaper hotel that only cost me about 600. But yes, it was from Thursday, uh, November 16th until Sunday, the 19th. They had 28 speakers. Uh, it, very important information because I had the two to contrast. I could see the material that it uh was new in the last five years. And so that's why I was really excited about being able to share that. But first of all, we need to put things in context. Uh, JFK was not an isolated event. It, this is part of a continuum of control that has been in operation for over 150 years. And one of the books I read probably when it first came out, which was 12 years ago, is The World That Never Was by Alex Butterworth. And he was a history student who was writing a PH or a thesis for his college over in UK and on uh, secret police. So he went to Scotland Yard and he said, I, you know, I'm writing this thesis and I need to do some research. And they said, hey, here's our library. Nobody's looked at these things for 100 years, so I'm sure it's safe. And they turned him loose for a year in Scotland Yard's library. And he was researching the rise of the uh, Anarch and commune movements, particularly centered in France, but they were covering all over Europe, where it was basically a group of Tea Party patriots that said, you know, we're tired of these continuous wars between monarchs, and we're tired of the exorbitant uh, taxation, we're tired of the uh, forced induction into the military. Uh, we want to have a free country like America's got. And so they were immediately infiltrated by people that were communists. And People don't know Karl Marx was related to the Rothschilds. His wife was uh, from the um, Phillips uh, Manufacturing, which was the second largest industrialist in all of Europe. And so he never worked a day in his life. And he's this big savior of workers. Well, there's only two forms of social organization. Either you have um, freedom of speech, property rights and rule by informed consent, or you do not. There's no meaningful difference in between communism, fascism, Nazism, Marxism, progressivism. Um, they're all rebranded feudalism. And so these people are feudalists. And what they did is that they infiltrated the anarch and commune movements, uh, started assassinating people. That's where the name 
agent provocateur was first developed was what with what they were doing being financed by the people in england and they set up secret police they set up secret courts they authorized extra extrajudicial executions all over europe in order to uh you know keep the people from being able to have freedom so that's item number one the next thing is we're going to do a little brief history of uh assassinations and change of power in the United States. Do you have something you want to add at this point? Yeah, I, I just wanted to add that was um, good that you put out that um, sort of context because, you know, I had a guest on recently on my podcast, Daniel Natal, who talked about his thesis that the rulers that we have today go back to the feudal times and that what they're trying to do today is bring back you know neo-feudalism uh, i can't find a quote but today i saw someone else uh also talking uh along these lines so i think you're you're uh correct uh on that uh but yeah go, go ahead continue uh, yeah to give you an idea how bad it was in 1870 the french army marched into paris and in a several days period of time shot 30 thousand mostly peaceful protesters on the streets of paris something you probably never learned in a history class but anyhow let's get back to some american history and the way they changed power in this country uh mckinley was elected with uh teddy roosevelt as his vp in 1900 months later he was shot and, and killed so that was the first assassination where we had a change of power in this cent in the 19th century and then teddy uh served two terms he served the rest of mckinley's term was reelected. he had a vice president named taft taft went in and in the 20 uh, 1912 election taft was running against um woody wilson the progressive that got gave us ended up giving us uh the federal reserve the irs and world war ii i mean world war one so bottom line is teddy said well i'm not going to let you uh, ruin our country. I realize what you're doing. I'm uh, now have a better appreciation for America, and I'm supporting the antitrust laws and going against these robber barons that are ruining our country. So he was running, and on October 14th, 1912, he was shot while giving a speech, and the bullet went through a notepad that he had in his pocket. But he ended up spending the next three months in a hospital bed, and he still got 27% of the vote. But that meant that that Woody Wilson won as a minority candidate with only 39% of the popular vote, then he delivered all those horrible things to the United States. Moving along, we had Harding, who uh, was a total protege of the Standard Oil Company out of Ohio. He married a woman who was a, a rich widow that was five years older than him because he didn't have enough money to run a campaign. And he was a constant philanderer. He was eyeball deep in the T-bot teapot dome scandal and ended up uh, being murdered by his wife because the walls were closing in on all the corruption that he was involved in. So that was in 1923. Uh, then we had. Um, if you hold that thought right there, uh, Joe, real quick, we're going to jump to our headlines. We'll be right back. Have you heard the news? The news, the news. Now, TNT Radio News. This is the news.
For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. A cadre of pro-Palestinian activists disrupted the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade when they covered themselves in fake blood and glued themselves in the middle of 6th Avenue. A House committee is set to launch an investigation into how a former Ukrainian soldier who fought for a Nazi military unit was honored in Parliament in Canada. Federal Minister Bill Shorten's office has been vandalized with red paint and graffiti reading, Dial Down the Apartheid Bill. Early in the morning, Australian federal police officers discovered the vandalism at the Mooney Ponds electorate office. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. We are back with Joe Olson talking about JFK. It was uh, 60 years ago yesterday that forces within our own governing structure decided to take him out for i guess multiple reasons it's still unclear who exactly did it if you ask me you know the cia elements of the cia uh were involved but joe's giving us a bit a bit of the historical uh background um where we leave off joe well we left off with two assassinations that would be mckinley in 1901 and harding in 1923 and then jfk in 1963. uh then we had uh attempted assassinations that influenced the elections. We had the election uh, during 1972 where Tricky Dick was going to be in a three-way race with Governor George Wallace from Alabama. He was shot on um, May 15, 1972 and ended up being in a wheelchair. And that's one of the major reasons that and then the other little dirty tricks that they pulled on McGovern. Um, And then we had... uh, George Bush, who in the in the um, well, let's get to the 1976 election uh, after Nixon resigned because of Watergate. Uh, he had had previously appointed Gerald Ford, who was a representative, a, a minority leader in the House from Grand Rapids, Michigan, to be his vice president. Ford took over as vice president Watergate. Uh, happened and they ended up Nixon resigned and Ford pardoned him. And then during the 76 election, Reagan said, well, I've been elected as Republican governor of California twice. I think I would make a good president for the United States. And they blocked him and kept Ford, who was a member of the Warren Commission, which we'll get to hopefully in a second, uh, to be the candidate who lost to Carter. So that gave us Carter. And then in the 1980 election, George Bush was running against um, Ronald Reagan. He had been elected as a representative in Texas for uh, one term and then defeated as a as he ran for a senator in Texas. And he was been director of FBI. But that was for a sh- few years. And that was the total extent. But he claimed that Reaganomics was voodoo economics, was violently opposed to Reagan, then forced himself onto the Reagan ticket the same way LBJ forced himself onto the JFK ticket. So that kind of lives a little bit of protocol there. And then um, we had Watergate, which was in uh, June 17th of 1972, and Nixon resigned in 74. 
And then there was a guy that was at the Dealey Plaza, E. Howard Hunt. He, he and his wife were both CIA agents. Uh, she vehemently hated Nixon, but she was ordered to deliver uh, a large amount of cash. Some say it was $100,000 to uh, some uh, dairy farmers or whatever in Chicago. And she was on United Flight 553, which crashed uh, December 8th. 1972 at uh, Midway Field in Chicago. And the reports that you can still look it up in newspapers now, it says reports were that there were twice as many FBI agents as firefighters at the airplane crash site for the first 15 to 20 minutes of the flight. So the FBI had to have foreknowledge of that. Now, to give you a little bit of an idea uh, of my uh, provenance on this. I read the Teapot Dome scandal by Leighton McCartney on the Harding information. I read The Very Best Men by Even Tobles, published in 1996, which gave a lot of information on the FBI, and also read Devil's Chessboard by David Talbot, which was released in 2016. Uh, what most people don't know was that in 1954, the um, CIA passed an order called the 5412 Commission. And this was a group of the, quote, majest Majestic 12, who, along with the vice president, could authorize uh, executions and assassinations worldwide of journalists or activists or pol politicians that they didn't like. And we've overthrown hundreds of governments. Go to a website called Tales of American Empire. They have like 15 minute long segments. They've got 130 videos on YouTube, and they're absolutely excellent at exposing this stuff in little bite-sized um, amounts. Uh, so uh, Dorothy Hunt was killed uh, on uh, December, uh, 19, uh, December 8th, 1972. And in these two books on the CIA, they say that accidents are one of their favorite forms of execution because they can say, well, it was just an accident. So let's do another brief little analysis. We had Harry McDonald, who was on the KAL flight 007, which crashed September 1st, 1983. He was a congressman who was uh, vehemently opposed to George Bush and said when George Bush runs in 1988 as president, when Reagan's uh, term is over, I'm going to oppose him. That plane was suspiciously followed by a U.S. Uh, AWACS plane that was sending signals to the Russians that this is really not an airliner. This is really a U.S. Air Force. And they were they were misdirecting the plane uh, with radio signals to fly into Russian territory and the Russians shot it down. So that was the excuse for that particular accident. And then we have um, Pan Am 103, which crashed in 1988. That plane had landed at Heathrow Airport, and the son of the FBI agent that was in charge of that inspection of the Pan Am 103 that crashed in Lockerbie was on the tarmac witnessing loading of the cargo into the cargo bay in the same bay that exploded. On board that Pan Am flight were 25 disgruntled CIA agents from all across Europe, including two station chiefs. They were going to Foggy Bottom to get retrained, but they just got retrained on their way to Foggy Bottom. So that's kind of the way that happens. Now, uh, they've appointed, you know, I thought the Warren Commission was kind of a, a one-off thing, and then I started doing a little bit more research. We had the Roberts Commission, 
which was uh, appointed in December 1941, because immediately after Pearl Harbor, there was enormous number of rumors that FDR had foreknowledge and allowed it to happen. So they whitewashed that and ended up uh, sticking the two guys that with the Navy and the Army that were in charge out in Hawaii, even though they were never notified. Then we had the Reese Commission in 1953, which released their report in 1984 on the un-American activities by charitable, quote, tax-exempt foundations, and every one of them has been involved in promoting foreign wars uh, and tax-free to do it. Then we had the Church Commission, which went into uh, 1975. It brought up enough material that they ended up having that um, investigating committee on, uh, on the assassination. We had the Warren Commission, which is in 1964, and amazingly enough, that happened just right after the Gulf of Tonkin. And one of the things they mentioned at the conference was that JFK had signed uh, NSAM, National Security uh, Administration Memos, number 263 on October 22nd, 1963, to exit all U.S. troops out of Vietnam. And then three days after he was assassinated, LBJ issued uh, NASAM. 273, which canceled the removal of the troops from Vietnam. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, pretty a, a big motive. Go ahead. Yeah, Joe, just uh, I, I, I wanted to maybe for a moment, just take a step back, maybe get your thesis, maybe for, you know, the thesis you, you heard from others at the conference and elsewhere. You mentioned George Bush uh, years ago. I interviewed Russ Baker of Who, What, Why, who's the author of Family of Secrets. I got the book right behind me. So, you know, how the Bushes were involved with the JFK assassin, assassination or, or senior LBJ, I think definitely, or at least some of these actors were either actively involved or um, passively. Maybe they, um, you know, knew about it and were participating in the cover-up uh, or they knew about it and they didn't do anything about it. They were okay with it. Uh, and so what, what, you know, who would you... And, and I think definitely elements of the CIA were involved, but you know there could have also been foreign uh, elements in, in, in involved. What what would you sort of um, you know before looking at some of the other evidence that you're detailing? What sort of your um, feeling as to you know who, who did it and why? Well, you know, I, I don't want to do any speculation on this. I'd rather just stick with what was presented in the way of material at this particular thing. I didn't go to the Lancet one. And two guys that did attend and were speakers there are Eric Hunley and uh, Mark Grobert. And they have a channel called America's Untold Stories. They've got three dozen episodes just on uh, the characters surrounding the JFK assassination. And they've got probably a half dozen just on LBJ. What a dirtbag. I've lived in Texas my whole life. I've known he was a dirtbag ever since I was in diapers. But here's some of the stuff that the speakers that were really outstanding that had information that I was not aware of. And uh, one of them is Robert Groden. He's the one that managed to get uh, FOIA and get a cop, get three different uh, editions of the Zabruder film. And because they were different editing on each one, he did a frame by frame re-edit and assembled as much of the Zabruder film as possible. It still looks like there's about five or 10 percent of the um, re relevant information that has been scrubbed completely. But anyhow, he spoke. And uh, what he said is that they went to a local Dallas TV station and dug through their archives. And this has happened since he spoke at the 2018 conference. 
and that there was a 4 p.m. press conference with the doctor, Robert Shaw, who uh, was the one that operated on Conley. He said Conley had three shots. All of them were separate entrance wounds. He had one in the chest, one in the right wrist, and one in his right leg, which at the four o'clock time frame was still lodged in his leg. That that broadcast was never aired on air, and they've got that film, and they were uh, were going to show it at the event. Um, and then the other one that was really outstanding, well, there's actually two more that I really want to cover quickly. Uh, the other one, uh, let's see, is uh, Casey Quinlan, and he wrote the book Behind the Fence Line, and something that I didn't know. We mentioned the books that I read on the origins of the CIA. What I didn't know is that Reinhard Galen, who was a general in the German army, and Alan Dulles were classmates at Oxford University where they got their law degrees. And then both of them went to work at Sullivan and Cromwell Law Firm. And they had negotiated a $250 million loan from Rockefellers uh, in 1933 to go to the German government to be repaid in gold when the war was over. So that kind of gives you an idea. Now, the next one that's really, and this one is really groundbreaking, uh, was a lady named Chana, C-H-A-N-A, Gail Willis. Her father uh, joined the U.S. Navy on December 8, 1941. He was a pretty smart guy, so he moved up pretty quickly. He was in the OSS as a uh, highly classified. He had what was called cosmic clearance. It's, it, which is above top secret in the OSS. And then he moved over to the ONI office of Naval uh, intelligence. And he was a photographer. He was stationed in the Pacific and was taking pictures of PT one Oh nine and uh, RFK. And he said that was an arrogant spoiled brat. And he got into a fist fight with him. So they moved him over to Europe. He was at Yalta taking pictures of Stalin and, uh, uh, FDR. Uh, then he was in uh, the analyze, analyzing section where they analyzed LVAP, which are the aerial photos, uh, 62 of the Cuban reconnaissance photos. And he individually circled where all of the missile sites were for targeting. And then he was uh, ordered to be on the grassy knoll. He had eight steamer trunks full of notes manuscripts, diaries, and cans of negatives that he had taken. Most of these negatives are not in the National Archives or never been released. And he told his family, if you breathe, if I breathe a word of this, I'm going to be dead and all of you will be dead. He said, you can do it at your own risk after I died. He died in 2014. So his family's been sorting through this stuff. His daughter, uh, Chana is in the process of writing a book, but she was up there showing photos. This is my dad in this place. This is my dad in this. And it absolutely ir unimpeachable primary evidence that this guy was an eyewitness on the grassy knoll, taking pictures as it was happening. And so there you can pretty much rest the, the uh, two lone gunman hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, um, you know, that's a lot of, material uh there and again uh, people can still go watch the the jfk lancer the conference jfk lancer publications.com they can watch the virtual 
a presentation. Uh, it was a couple of three days, uh, I think. We're going to jump to our break. Uh, Joe will be right back. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. What you're about to hear is worse than fake news. It's dangerous. It's made up baloney. And it's designed to instill fear and hatred. Here's real-time host Bill Maher. So here's something really scary. Mike Johnson, he's the Republican Party new head chief over there in the House. Uh, this came out. He was talking to a prayer group. He said, depraved America deserves God's wrath. Came out there exactly sounds like bin Laden. Now, yeah. the, now the Republican guy sounds like bin Laden. And Trump sounds like Hitler. And here's the disgraceful former Republican congressman, Adam Kinzinger. When you look at who the Taliban is, and the Taliban is all about, hey, we want to take Sharia law, this, this thing that we believe in, we want to religiously implement this into our government. There is no difference between Christian nationalism, which is what he's representing, right. than the Taliban. Now, maybe the end is different, maybe yes. the means are different. Now, these statements would be true if Mike Johnson were calling for a massive terrorist attack against all Americans. And if he was planning on uh, taking away his the rights of, of, of everyone who doesn't agree with his religious beliefs, women, gays, everyone who doesn't agree with his religious beliefs. And if Donald Trump were throwing people into ovens and gas chambers from the concentration camps, which of course, none of which exist. So uh, until then, until these are true, these fear-mongering inciters uh, should just give it a rest. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Listen to my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, it's our final segment with Joe uh, Olson talking JFK. And uh, I thought I'd also mention I came across an article recently, and um, I've never heard of this I've never really heard of this thesis, but hey, I'm willing to entertain um, anything at this point. And this is coming from uns.com from Lawrence Guyanat, a French intellectual. Um, and, you know, hey, I, I, I do I have to make this always make this disclaimer. I'm for a state of Israel, but, you know, the uh, uh, U.S. government has floated the idea that foreign governments were involved in the assassination of um Kennedy, including the Soviet Union, Cuba. So again, just using that logic that can be applied to any foreign government, including the state of uh, Israel. And, you know, there is some potential evidence that, uh, you know, Israeli government 
may have been uh, involved as as well uh, together with the CIA. So you know that wouldn't discount uh, the CIA. That would be forces within the CIA, perhaps with elements of uh, the Israeli government and or others uh, potentially. So that's over at uns.com. I will be actually having next week on the program Ron Uns um, joining us as well. But uh, your further thoughts, uh, Joe. Well, uh, there's certainly plenty of evidence to indicate that they were a participant in that. And there's 100 percent evidence they were a participant in the USS Liberty. And uh, there's enormous amount of evidence that the gelatin group that was the art students that worked inside the World Trade Center building for months before they uh, suddenly blew up. And the dancing Israelis were part of a uh, foreign ally of ours being involved in that particular event. So I'll just leave that where it is. But getting back to the story about JFK, one of the other speakers was uh, Larry Rivera. He said that Dallas uh, PD had uh, done search warrants and raided the boarding house where um, Lee Harvey Oswald was staying and that he managed to get copies of their passports that uh, had been digitally produced. And so this proves that he was never in um, Havana and he was never in uh, Mexico City. So that pretty much blows that particular storyline. Uh, and then one of the other uh, speakers was a guy named Gary Shaw. And he uh, traced down four of the dancers that worked at the Carousel Club, <laughs> Kitty Bar, whatever you want to call it, and, uh, adult entertainment, let's call it that way, adult entertainment facilities that was owned by Ruby, who knew Tricky Dick in 1948. He worked with uh, Tricky Dick's uh, re-election or his election campaign in 1948. But he managed to track down um, and do documentaries uh, on the dancers. One of them was Christine and Janet. And um, then we had uh, Carlin Carrot and another one that was called um, Candy Bar. And so he managed to do a study on all four of those. Uh, two of them kept their mouths shut completely when they knew that Lee Harvey Oswald had been in the carousel club repeatedly and two of them uh, started talking and they ended up being dead. So there again, you know, uh, dead people tell no, no truths. And, uh, and that's exactly how they've been able to keep this tyranny going is that they just kill anybody that's a witness and uh, they don't mind collateral damage. Definitely not. And, um, you know, we got a couple minutes left and you know just broader thoughts uh on this that there was an amusing um a tweet i came across uh that really resonated with me on jfk let's if i can pull it up uh real quick well i'll, I'll find it in a moment but it was something to the tunes of you know in in 80 years we will um they'll have headlines so we here's what we know and what we don't know about coronavirus just like they're talking about now with with jfk and i just feel like i don't think they're they're really ever going to you know um reveal much more you know doug valentine who i quoted recently he he said the same thing that the security state is really nailing things down now um and you know we are moving into this technocratic brave new world ish minority report system and so um, I just don't really feel much else is going to come out r related to, to JFK. But, you know, your other thoughts you have in the last couple of minutes. Yes, the Smith-Month Act was passed in uh, 1948. 
and it banned use of um, Operation Mockingbird within the United States. But then it was moder modernized in 2013 to allow the CIA to lie to us. So, you know, you got that particular problem. And then at the Lancet uh, event, was a guy named Jane Files who claimed to be the shooter on the grassy knoll. And he's written two books. One is called Primary Target, and the other one is Files on LBJ. And he was interviewed by Ali Domagard, who's a pretty good researcher, 90-minute long, very compelling interview that's like, well, this guy absolutely did it. But he was in jail for 25 years. He looks to me to be another one of the catch-me-if-you-can Frank Abengale-type stories where he spent his time in prison uh, researching and pretending when he got out to have been a fake airline pilot, a fake uh, uh, delivery room doctor, and a fake uh, attorney in uh, Louisiana. So he, he had all these three fake careers that he dreamed up, and he never had anything to do with any of those particular things. That's Frank Abengale, and that looks like to me exactly what happened with James Files. He was in a jail cell for 30 years, and the F, the CIA kept feeding him declassified uh, Operation Mockingbird material to put together in his books so that he can come out and sound like, yeah, I was the one that fired the shot and I hit him right in the head. And it's like, well, if you make a confession, there's no statute of limitations in Texas. Uh, he could be arrested and he hasn't been arrested because he's been making this claim quite a bit. And when I brought it up at the conference, everybody said, oh, man, that guy's a complete total fake. And James Fetzer said that he had interviewed the guy twice and he thought he was very compelling. And when the guy was in Madison, they went out and had dinner together, him and his wife. And he said, I think the guy's really entertaining. He's got a lot of good stories about what happened in the mob. But I kind of doubt that he has that much truth about the CIA's operation in, in, uh, in Dallas. So uh, take what happened at Lancet with a little grain of salt, because I don't think those people do the proper vetting. All right. Uh, yeah, we're, we're down two minutes to midnight. And, you know, I was just thinking that this um, modus operandi, uh, you know, what the deep state does, uh, there have been no signs that there's any remorse or it'll be going away soon. You know, we saw Dutch politician Terry Baudet assaulted twice recently, two po politicians in Ecuador uh, assassinated. Uh, and so, you know, they they, they keep this uh, arrow in their quiver uh, when they need to deal with politicians that they uh, that, that stand in their way. Uh, and so, but I, I think that they're relying less on that and more on economic assassination, uh, re, you know, reputational assassination. And they've got this technology now that they can manipulate candidates out of the entire race um, without needing to assassinate them. You know, Dr. Robert Epstein talks about this uh so th this you know new digital virtual technology in some ways replaces the the analog you know bullet to the head um option so a minute left uh joe final thoughts well yeah look at what they did to trump man russia gate and then the uh, you know he gave he didn't he didn't want to give money to Ukraine. So they ended up uh, impeaching him over it. They've got lawfare. Look at all the cases they've got against Trump right now. So, yeah, they've got ways of legally assassinating you and uh, putting you in jail forever just because of wrong think. Yeah, it's a, it's an absurd world we're living in. But I don't think continue much longer. I hope not. Um, something's got to give. Well, um Anyways, thank you, Joe, for coming back on TNT. All right. Uh, 
we're going to have Hernando Arce joining us soon. Uh, he's got boots on the ground there at the border to, uh, between U.S. and Mexico, and he'll be telling us all about what's going on over there. We'll be right back. <laughs> 